You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. We, we are kicking off a new series this week, um, and this series is called A Relational People. How many of you have friends? Um, how many of you are extroverts? Yeah, we've got just a few extroverts in here. How many of you are introverts? Wow, we have more introverts in the church than we have extroverts. Okay, all right. How many of you know that whether, whether you are a, an extrovert or an introvert, you are called to be a relational person, right? God has called mankind to be in community, right? There, there is this thing about being connected. We, we are called to be connected. The way God has continuously functioned throughout all time is in connection with not only his creation, but with himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is connected. God has created us to be connected. And in that connectedness, I think there are some, are some things that we have to either relearn or we have to learn about being a relational people. And so this isn't about being extroverted or introverted, because I believe whether you're either one, you need connection. Um, and so I think the different, the real difference between introverted and extroverted is introverts get drained a lot faster than extroverts do when it comes to being around large crowds of people and extroverts probably get energized. And so, but either way, we need that connection. And so today uh, we are going to be talking about our first and for our, our primary connection as a people of God. So I'm going to pray real quick and then we'll get started. Lord, we are thankful to be in your house. Lord, we are thankful to be in this house with sons and daughters that you have created in your image. Lord, we are thankful that we are not alone, that you have called us to to do this life with others, God, alongside of us. Yes, family, yes, um, uh, our, our extended family, but a community, a faith community that have all been adopted as sons and daughters of you, our Heavenly Father. And I pray as we go through this series, God, that we will learn first and foremost that you are our primary connection, God. You are our primary connection. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So I I wanna talk to you real quick about something called primary attachment theory. And our couples would know a little bit about this because we've talked about this in our last couple weeks in our workshop. So primary attachment theory is this. It's it's an attachment, it's attachment theory is um, psychological, evolutionary and ethological theory concerning relationships between humans. So the most important tenet is that young children need to develop a relationship with at least one primary caregiver for normal social and emotional development. You guys following me? Should I read it again? Okay. Primary attachment theory is this. It's an attachment theory. uh, It's a psychological attachment theory. Uh, It's evolutionary and ethological theory concerning relationships between humans. So it's a it's a psychological theory, uh, uh, kind of the study of human connection. Right. Okay. And the most important of these human connections is for young children. And they need to develop a relationship with at least one primary caregiver for normal social and emotional development. That make a little more sense. Okay, and so we need to have this primary attachment to at least one caregiver as human beings to develop normal relational skills as we grow. Can you, we're getting there? 
All right. And so listen, there's a man named John Bowlby. His theory in 1988 was this. When we form our primary attachments, we also make a mental representation of what a relationship is. And so when I form a primary attachment with my mom, who's sitting here, uh, so I, I now base most of my relational interactions on that primary attachment that I had. Right. So it's an internal it's an internal working model. We, we then use this to shape all other relationships that we have. So I know this is getting a little psychological and we're not going to stay here. So don't get scared. Right. So we use we use that primary attachment for all attachments for the future. So it's, it's, it's how we learn to relate as a young age is how we continue to work out those relationships later on in our life. So it's it's a it's. In a relationship, it sets the standard for all other relationships. So um, if, if you had a healthy upbringing with, with nurturing parents and healthy attachments, then, then you, you might more likely be able to have healthy relationships as you grow, other, uh, grow older and have healthy attachments there. Um, and, and, and the same with negative attachments. If you had negative attachments as you were growing up, then you might have negative attachments as you get older, Right. So what does this have to do with Jesus and being a relational people? I'm glad you asked. Listen, um, you might hear in our language at Restoration LA that, that we are a relational people. You might hear terms like, like friends before function or, or hear something like we build relationally. And, and the reason why we use that type of language is because we believe that the church above all else is a family. We are a family who is connected to God. We are called the body of Christ. We are called the army of God. But more than any other um, analogy of the church that we see in, in the scriptures, it's we are a family connected to a heavenly father, right? And so le leading this church, I, I realized after 11 years that each and every one of us has had different experiences of family. And so when you bring a bunch of people who have different experiences of family into one kind of melting pot or a bowl of stew, or as the South Africans would say, a, a bowl of poiki, right? If you, if, if you, if you bring people into, into that kind of context, we bring different versions of family, right? And that's shaped by culture, that's shaped by upbringing and shaped by personal experience, both good and bad. And so our hope in this series is that we will be able to identify and abandon the negative relational values that we have developed before we entered a loving relationship with Christ. Is that we'll be able to identify and abandon those negative values that we have adopted through our experiences, through culture, and anything else in our past, abandon those and reestablish, reestablish our spiritual primary Attachment to God. Are you with me? Are you sure? All right, here we go. Um, so listen, parents are, are logical candidates for primary attachments because children are attached to parents. If you're brought up by your grandparents or by an aunt and uncle or something like that, then that would be kind of your, your primary attachment. And so um, this is, this is the, the logical thing to conclude. But listen, this is not only logical in the kingdom, this is absolutely necessary that we develop our primary attachment, listen, friends, to our Heavenly Father. 
that he is our primary attachment. Um, is, is it any wonder that God chose to reveal himself to mankind? Listen, not only as sovereign, almighty creator, but as father, as father to mankind. Genesis 1.27, you guys will, will know this narrative. So God created human beings, how? In his own image. He created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him, you look like your daddy. <laughs> you look like your daddy. You were created in your father's image. And, and that's an amazing thing, right? It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing, listen, friends, how, we, how the father decided, when he decided to create um, mankind in Genesis, the verse right before the 127, 126, he says this, let us, can you say us? Let us make human beings in our image. Let us make human beings in our image. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are equally imp important components, listen friends, in developing our primary attachment to God the Father. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are absolutely necessary when we are, are developing this primary attachment to him. John chapter 1 uh, verses 10 through 13 read like this. He came into the very world that he, who's that he? Jesus. He came into the very world that he created, but the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, listen friends, he gave the right to become children of God. It is through Jesus that we become children of God. It's through Jesus that we have the right and the privilege to call God the creator, Father. Only through Jesus. And then verse 13 says this, friends, listen. They are reborn. Can you say reborn? They are reborn, not with physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. I think this is amazing. And why I think this is amazing is because in order to develop a new primary attachment, what has to happen? You have to sever those old attachments, right? And this is what rebirth is. This is what rebirth in God is, is we learn that God is now this primary attachment for us as a people. And we are reborn a spiritual rebirth, a rebirth that establishes new primary attachments, a rebirth that spiritually removes. Listen, your former primary attachment, and I'm talking about spiritually. I'm not saying you can. You got license now to cut off your parents and say, Pastor said, I don't have to talk to you anymore. I got a new father. I don't want you to do that. Listen, it's a rebirth that spiritually removes your, your former primary attachment, spiritually removes, listen, and supernaturally names God as Abba. If you're confused about this, there was a, a religious leader in the scriptures named Nicodemus who was also confused about this. I want to read you a little bit of that story. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. There was a Pharisee, um, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So he was an intelligent man. He was a leader. Um, he was an honored man. So he came to Jesus at night. Right? Because he didn't want to risk 
lowering his stature during the day to have Jesus help him out with something. And so he goes to Jesus at night. He came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, listen, friends, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You know what's amazing in this portion of scripture? Is this guy didn't even ask a question. Jesus knew what he was there for. And Jesus had the answer already ready, locked and loaded. No one can see the kingdom unless he is what? He is born again. And how can, how can someone be born again when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born, listen, friends, of water and spirit. Of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And so I want us to know, friends, yes, we do have those earthly primary attachments. Yes, we have parents and, 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 and an upbringing that shaped our relational uh, um, patterns in which we are living in today. And yes, that, that's flesh giving birth to flesh. That's something natural that happened, but I'm telling you, there's something super, um, supernatural that happens when we are born again. When we are born again, we are born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to uh, flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at, at, at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or, or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You just don't know, may not be able to know how it happens, but supernaturally, God is redeveloping a primary or desiring to um, develop a primary attachment with you, His sons, His daughters, an attachment that will shape every other relationship that you enter after you have committed your life to Christ. You must, friends, be born again. Tell your neighbor you must be born again. And not just born again of anything. Listen, born again in what? In the spirit. Born again in the spirit. This is a supernatural opportunity. Listen, friends, a supernatural opportunity for an eternal reset. An eternal reset that establishes God as the primary relationship of our lives. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 reads like this. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. This is not the spirit that God has given us to make us slaves. And I believe so many of us who struggle to enter into a loving relationship with God struggled because of this. We thought we were going to enter relationship with God, and they were going to become these little puppets and little uh, 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 micro-machines that God micromanaged and, and complete identity. Is this thing giving out? No. Maybe I just need to not move? Is it? All right. All right. We got to work this out. All right, here we go. You good? God has not created us these slaves. I think we, we, we feel like when we're going to enter this relationship with God, we're going to become these people who no longer are, are, can be called people. Like we become these religious robots or, or brainwashed. All the other things that, you know, people talk about those who enter into a relationship with Christ. That's not what God gave us. 
He didn't give us a spirit of slavery. So we're just, he's whipping us into shape. And, and you know, like a, like, a, like a cowboy who drives from the back. God is a loving shepherd who leads from the front. Right? He didn't make us fearful slaves. Instead, listen, friends, you received God's spirit. Can you say spirit? When he adopted you as children, you received his spirit. When he adopted you as children, now we call him what? Abba. Father. English translation, daddy. Spanish translation, papi. It's an intimate relationship that we have entered with God. And somehow we still have this, this underthinking that God is a slave driver, that God is the one who has come to ruin our lives and, and, and make us these, these robotic cookie-cutter people. This is not the God we serve. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. Can you say great mercy? According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. This great mercy, we see mercy so much in scripture. And I think the Lord has absolutely been provoking that even in a few of our series, this word mercy, right? Mercy. And, and there's something powerful about this word. Uh, David cries for mercy often in the Old Testament. You'll, you'll read it throughout the Psalms, mercy, right? And, and, and the ancient, um, uh, scripts, w w mercy is, is written in, in the Arabic uh, and, and in the Hebrew, R-H-M, right? In the Arabic, that would be Rama. In the Hebrew, it would be Rahamim. But here's what's crazy about this word, right? When, when, when some uh, people a lot smarter than me, I just read this action, I love it. What's amazing about this root word of R-H-M, mercy, it is directly tied to the same word, R-H-M, of womb, as in a mother's womb. And read this in Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child and show compassion? That's that word, R-H-M right there. For the child of her womb, same word, R-H-M. Womb and mercy. Because of his great mercy, God has caused us to be born again. The spiritual womb of God, giving life again to the people of God, being reborn of water and spirit. Mercy and rebirth, rebirth are linked eternally by the great love, listen friends, of a father. The great love of a father. 1 John 3.1. I, I love John's writings because how John reveals Christ to us is probably the, the, the most intimate, I, I believe, um, of, of all the Gospels and, and, and the epistles, just because of this, this love between Jesus and John the Beloved. I, I believe there was nuances of Jesus' life that John would just pay attention to. 
He would pay attention to how he spoke to the father. He would pay attention to how he spoke of the father. He would pay attention to how he prayed and all of these things. And in that, John presents this relational aspect of Jesus and the father that I think we need to adopt. And as John writes in 1 John 3, 1, see how very much our father loves us. See how very much our father loves us. For he calls us his what? His children. And that is what we are. With an exclamation mark, that is what we are. We are children of God. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. And friends, we have to be so careful in the culture around us. As we function as Christians in, 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 in the world around us, I mean, I, I think that word Christian is, is linked to, to, to religion and, and linked to systems and, and, and linked to this, this big culture class between the church and culture. And as culture engages Christians, they don't see the relational aspect that we are actually modeling or should be modeling with God. Because all they know is going to church and changing habits. And you probably have um, faced some of this with some of your friends and like, you know, oh, you're brainwashed and all of these other kind of things. And have no context for the relationship that you are in with a loving father. And when people ask me, it's like, how do I, how do I tell people about God and all these kinds of things? Because my friends aren't religious and all this kind of stuff. And I tell people all the time, remind them that you're, you're not religious either. That you're in a relationship with God. That, well, I, I don't see myself as very religious. People tell me that all the time. Because as soon as I say I'm a pastor, everyone's like, oh, okay. Like, so a lot of times I say, oh, I work for a nonprofit organization. <laughs> And so when, when, when you tell them, I'm in a loving relationship with God, it's not about being religious. But friends, they have to begin to see this modeled in our life. Does your relationship with your heavenly father look like that of a loving child, right? The people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. They don't know what it's like to have a loving relationship with God the Father. They don't know what it's like because all they're basing relationship on is their primary attachments that they've had. And it's the same for us. I believe why many people struggle to connect with a loving heavenly Father, and, and this could sound like psychobabble to you, but I've known this from personal experience, is that we put the face of our earthly father on God and we say, no, we don't want that. That's not what I want. Our heavenly father is nothing like our earthly fathers, our earthly mothers, or earthly anyone else who we develop primary attachments with. And we have to recognize that God has so much more for us. The world doesn't recognize this because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children. And this is amazing because those same friends who have questions about God and, and questions about religion, guess what? They're God's kids too. And we have to learn to introduce them, right? To introduce them. I think I've shared this story uh, um, 
many times before, but I, I had the privilege one time of introducing a friend to her father for the first time. And so my, um, when, when my father led um, Bella Vista Church here, um, they had a, a rehab home. And in that rehab home, there was guys who were committed to the home uh, kind of by court. And so instead of going to jail, they, they came to the rehab home. And so there was a guy here, um, and his name was Weddle. And so uh, he was here, and w- me and all my friends used to come and just hang out with these, some of these, like, I mean, some of these guys were knuckleheads, right? And, and good guys, um, softies, but if you got on the wrong side of them, not so softy. Um, but we would just sit around and just trip out on them, you know, like, you know, let them school us a little bit. And so we were sitting, and... Um, he was asked, hey, what school do you go to? What grade are you in? And so we say, oh, we go to this school, and this is who we are. And so he was like, oh, do you, do you know a girl by, by this name? And so we're like, yeah, yeah, we, we know her. That's actually my friend's girlfriend. And he's like, that's, that's my daughter. And we're like, what? Like, well, that's cool. He goes, like, I've never met her. And we're like, what? So we're like, you want to meet her? He's like, absolutely. So we're like, all right, we'll bring her tomorrow. <laughs> like, so poor girl, next day of school, we bum rush this girl. And we're like, we met your dad. We know your dad. After church, we're all going to go. We're going to introduce. She's just like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Like, time out, what? Like, like you know, it was overwhelming. So we, we, we march all the way from Griffith, all the way down here. And it was, I wish we were, had our phones out back in those days and we would have probably got a, a, a million um, hits or something like that, just to see a daughter meet her father for the first time. It was the whole scene, the run, the hug. I mean, the whole thing to introduce someone to their father. There's nothing like it. And this is what we get to do. This is what we get to do as children of God is introduce children of God, to their father. That wasn't even in my notes, but there you go. That was free. Dear friends, we are already God's children. We're already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. And so there's still hope. There's still more for us of who and what we will be, but we do not know that we, listen, friends, we will be like, but what we do know is that we will be like him. The goal is we will be like Christ. And when we look at the intimate relationship between Jesus and the Father, this is the relationship that was patterned for us. This was a relationship that was destined for us when God created us. And the only thing that separated that relationship is what, friends? Sin? And why repentance and turning back to the Father is so necessary as we Take away that thing that has separated us from our heavenly father to be reconnected with him again. For we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. And the pure here is more integrity, meaning keeping yourself whole committed, like husband and wife vow to be pure to one another. This is the same thing in our loving relationship with our Father. We bow to be pure as He is pure, committed to us. We are purely committed to Him. 
See how much the Father loves us is what John begins this um, chapter with. See how much the Father loves us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his son to die for us. That's how much our Father loves us. Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. See how much the Father loves us. Malachi 1, 2, I have always loved you, says the Lord. I have always loved you, says the Lord. If you don't know that God loves you, friends, then we really don't know God. If we don't know that God loves us, then we don't know God. If you feel like God the Father hates you, then you don't know him. If you feel like God the Father has abandoned you, then you truly don't know him. If you feel like God is angry with you all the time, then you really don't know him. 1 John 4, 8, you guys should memorize this first, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is the embodiment of love. He embodies love in all that he has ever required of us, his kids, is this simple thing, friends. Listen to me. It's to love him in return. It's to love him in return. Think about this. The great commandments, you know this, Old and New Testament. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. Listen, O Israel. Anytime we read that in the Old Testament, you can read that as children of God or people of God. Israel is a representation of the people of God. Listen, people of God. The Lord is our God. The Lord is what? He is our God. The Lord alone. There's no other God. There's no other Father. It is God. And you must love the Lord, your God, with what? With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is what the Lord has asked of us. New Testament, Jesus told us the exact same thing. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 38. Teacher, which is the most important, important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Love him with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first, listen friends, and the greatest commandment. This is the greatest commandment in the kingdom. And somehow, when we think we're going to enter into a loving relationship with Jesus, we're worried about everything else but the relational aspect of loving our Father. We're worried about, I got to give up this, and I got to give up that, and I got to go to church. And, uh, like, we start thinking about all the religious stuff, and we're not thinking about any of the relational stuff. Love God. Spend time with your Father. Dive into your Word. Spend time in prayer. Worship the Lord. This is what a relationship looks like. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I know I'm throwing so many verses at you. I'm so glad for that stuff. Can you imagine? You'd be hearing everyone. Wait, hold on. I didn't get that. 1st or 2nd Corinthians. Which one was that? That's old school problems. Anyways. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 through 18. Listen to this. This is what the Lord says. I will live in them. And I will walk among them. Do you remember the garden? 
when we read Genesis and God, the scriptures tell us that God used to walk in the garden in the cool of the evening. I mean, that's what he found Adam and Eve hiding from him, separated by their choice, separated by, the, by their desire for knowledge more than their desire for him. God, when God gave them the commandments, I got to go back here. When God, when God gave, when God gave, I wonder if I can come this way. Maybe you guys can, yeah. Oh, soft spot. Here we go. All right. You, this is a strong, you guys got more anointing over here. All right. So, I'm sorry, guys. You guys got to pray more. You decided not to pray more. <laughs> okay. Listen, when God, when God walked in the cool of the evening, Adam and Eve were hiding because why? They chose knowledge over choosing him. He gave, he gave them a commandment, choose life. Choose life. And they chose knowledge over a life with him, right? I will live in them and I will walk among them. This is still the prophetic promise of the Lord. This is the eternity that we're waiting for. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers. He's telling the children of God to come out from among the unbelievers. Stop acting like you're not my kids any longer. Come out from that ranks of the unbeliever and join the ranks of the believer that you know that you are my kids. You know that you are children of God. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. I will be your father. I will be your what? I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. God, our father, wants to be your primary relationship. He wants to give you rebirth to help you develop a new primary attachment that only comes from being born again. And maybe you are born again. And maybe you, you still are struggling to connect with God in this way. What's amazing about the grace of God is you get to start again. Today. Now. The relationship, this God our Father wants to be our primary relationship. This relationship that will shape, listen friends, every other relationship that you have. It'll shape your marriage. It'll shape your parenting. It'll shape the relationships at your workplace. If you're dating, it'll absolutely shape that. It'll shape every other relationship that you have. If, you, if you're finding your relationships are broken in, in other realms of your life, let's get back to the source. Let's allow the healing that only could come from a loving father to take place in our lives so that we can begin to have these healthy relationships that God has called us to in this walk with, with him and in community. This relationship will be the foundation for your entire world. Your entire world. Moms, you know what this feels like. When that baby comes, what happens? It changes your entire world right? Everything changes. It's no different than the father, but it's even more important because it even becomes that comes before that kind of bond, which is so strong. 
right? Isaiah 64, verse 8, I feel it is an amazing response from us as a people to God. Listen to this. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. You're our Father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. How many of you have ever done pottery? Messed around with clay? Done the whole ghost thing? And no, I'm if you don't, if, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're too young. Anyways, some of you guys are singing Unchained Melody right now. Knock it off. You have clay in your hands. I should have brought some Play-Doh up here. He gets to mold us and shape us in a way that prepares us to relate to the world around us. He's our father, and we're clay in his hands. Are we allowing him to be that? Are we allowing him to shape us and mold us so that we can relate to the world through the lenses of our Father, through from the foundation of our love and connection to Him. Right? This is His desire. This is His desire. I'm going to ask you guys to stand this morning. If you guys have your communion cups, um, why don't you go ahead and grab those? Baby, can you pass me one? Thank you. I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you about Vanessa and I. <clears throat> so as Vanessa and I have, have walked, or walked and worked on, on our connection as a couple, um, one of the things that, that Vanessa has told me in our connection is she just doesn't feel like she has a place or a seat at my table. There's times I just go on about stuff and do stuff and carry on, and, and she doesn't feel like she has a place at my table. And so uh, we've worked really hard. I've worked really hard to let her know that she has the primary place at my table. She's my wife. There's no one else that gets to sit in that place. You know, some of you guys know what this like, you know, the dad's chair. No one sits at dad's seat, right? And so Vanessa has that place. But I think it's the same with God. I think so many of us don't recognize that we have a place at the Lord's table. The Lord has invited each and every one of us to this great feast. And if you remember the parable of, of, of the great feast and the master sends out all the invitations and, and some people don't show up, right? All of the high-ranking people who he invited, all the special people, they didn't show up. So the master was angry. He said, okay, then go and get everyone. Go to the highways and the byways. Go to the poor and to the lonely. Go to, go, go to East L.A. 
go invite my kids from East L.A. to the table because they'll, they'll come. The Lord has given us a place at his table. And I can't think of anything that is more significant than the table of communion, that it's through Jesus, through his body that was broken, and through his blood that was shed, that we now get to be called children of God. We get to be called children of God because of what Jesus accomplished. My hope and my prayer is that we recognize that there's a seat at this table for you. Look at someone next to you and tell you there's a seat at the table for you. There's a seat at the table for you. It's got your name on it. As you take this communion today, as we take this communion today, I pray that in your spirit, you are accepting your place at the table. You are accepting the fact that God wants to be your primary attachment. The relationship that you will base every other relationship on. That you know that by being born again, that we now enter into this type of relationship with the loving Father. So what I would love for you to do is gather with a couple of people around you. Pull out that little cracker paper thing that's in there. I'm going to warn you now. It tastes like an index tart. It's all right. Share, share some bread. Share some juice. And remember what Christ did for you on the cross. So, One, two. All right. I know that cracker is awesome. And so I'm selling this bottle of water for like 20 bucks if anyone needs it right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, listen, no, real quick. I, I, before, you, before you get chatty. Um, if I could just ask you guys to close your eyes just real quickly. If you have never given your life to Jesus, if you have never said, Lord, I ask forgiveness for my sins and for the, for the life I've led before, but today I choose to repent 
and turn towards you and give my life to you. I want to enter a loving relationship with my Heavenly Father that only comes through you. I want to seat at our Father's table. If that's you this morning, if everyone's eyes closed, that's helpful. I would just love for you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you this morning. I want you to know when, before you leave this place that you are in a loving relationship with your Heavenly Father and that that will begin to shape your world from this day forth. Not going to embarrass you, just going to pray with you. So if that's you, just raise your hand and I'll lead you through prayer. Amen. I see your hand. Thank you. Amen. I see your hand. Anyone else this morning? All right. So if you raise your hand this morning, I'd love for you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for giving yourself for me on the cross. I thank you that you made a way when there was no way. I ask you for forgiveness for the life I've led up to today. I choose to turn from that life and turn towards our Heavenly Father. Thank you for allowing me to be a child of God. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior and Lord. And I receive our God as Abba and Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise this morning. Awesome. Hey, uh, we love you guys. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, don't forget to pick up your kids after service. And also don't forget, we're, coming, we're, back, we're back here at 1 o'clock. So go grab some lunch. Come back. We're having a leadership meeting. We'd love for you to be here. We are having an important announcement regarding COVID and kind of our, our procedures coming, coming up in this um, next season. And so uh, we'll see you soon. Have a great, great weekend. Thank you, guys.